Well, hello, church family. We finally reached the end of this book. After 10 weeks, uh, we're at the end. And um, this, is, this is a way to kind of re- refresh what, what we've gone through so far. The first uh, two chapters, uh, or first really uh, six chapters, it's um, the people of God were given a special unique opportunity to return back to Jerusalem. This is one of the Persians' idea of trying to uh, have unity with the people there and uh, have really just try to do something nice so they can submit to the king. And they did that. They, they um, allowed uh, all the uh, Jews in the Babylonian captivity to go back into the land of Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. In chapter 7, Ezra is introduced. He comes in seemingly out of nowhere, and he brings in like a second type of exodus, a, a second group of people to um, Israel, and um, they go, they, uh, they get protected by the Lord, they have provision from the king, and chapter 9 gets to the part where it gets kind of, uh, I guess they kind of uh, go off course, because people uh, are found to have uh, mixed marriages. Uh, these people went back into uh, the same type of sin that their forefathers have committed, and not only that, that they seem to have forgotten uh, the consequences of those sins. It was that exact sin that brought them into exile, uh, is, is their um, giving up themselves to s- sexual immorality and marrying with other uh, nations and it wasn't because of the race issue, but because the other nations, um, when they go with them, they bring to them their foreign gods. And you can only imagine Ezra, who's been there for not that long uh, of a time. And there was a short celebration. After that celebration, um, he gets a notification telling him that the people of Israel are actually marrying, or uh, inter, uh, or mixing themselves with all the other nations. So we get the uh, chapter 10 now, and this is a part where um, the people of Israel are going to have a, uh, they're going to repent, and they're going to have this reconciliation with the Lord. And as we go through this, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about how we can fight sin in our life. Um, yes, as Christians, we're going to fall into sin. We're never going to be perfect, but it's those moments that uh, we fall, we need to be able to identify it but also um, be able to continue to fight for holiness. Uh, this is just a part of the Christian life. It is not an easy life uh, because of our own uh, sinful tendencies, but God will give us grace. And oftentimes, the best way to fight against sin is to prepare uh, during a time when things are easy um, or, or when you have time. Or yes, it's, it's something that you do constantly. You're always preparing. You're always refortifying um, your heart and your mind from sin in the, so that when the moment of great temptation comes, uh, you have the grace to be able to resist it. So we're going to look at chapter 10. Uh, and then, um, like usual, the Monday messages are usually just a survey of the chapter. And then we'll get into the applications throughout the week. So chapter 10 begins here. Chapter 10, verse 1. Now, while Ezra... Uh, was praying and making confessions, weeping and prostrating himself before the house of God, a very large assembly of uh, men, women, and children gathered to him from Israel, for the people wept bitterly. So you have to realize that Ezra here, you know, in the last chapter, he's like pulling out his hair, pulling out his beard, and he's in the middle of the town and um, or near the temple. And he's, uh, and he's crying. And you have to understand the way that Israel, like the, the, the way that the land is made, it, it's, a, it's like... It's like all the houses are around the temple. So like everyone that would look out the window, they could 
in theory, be able to see where Ezra is at. So they see Ezra, which is their leader, weeping in the middle of the in, the, in front of the temple. And I think that's strange because it, it should be unsettling. It would be like if we were going to SFBC and one day as we're going to church uh, in the front door, you see PH just crying on the floor, weeping over our sins because he uh, discovered some secrets and <coughs> that, <coughs> that everyone in the church is committing. That's kind of like that. That's what's going on here. Everyone, men, women, children, gathered, um, and then they begin to weep because they start, some of the people that are um, there, they, they begin to realize what's going on, that they've sinned against the Lord and that um, and they start seeing how Ezra feels towards sin. And that's really a reflection of how God felt towards them. Um, that their sin is, though they, it's an invisible God, it still offends the Lord. And Ezra really personifies that. He's broken and he's saddened by the reality that these Israelites abused the grace of God and have committed themselves back to the life of sin. Chapter 2, Shechaniah, the son of Jethiel, one of the sons of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. So this in, this individual, Shechaniah, he's actually very interesting because he, he said he's a son of Jeth, Jehiel. This guy's name actually shows up. Uh, the the Jehiel, his, um, that's his dad. His name actually shows up in verse... Um, 21 of this chapter as the one the list of offenders and what that means is that Shechaniah might have been um, you know, he's, he might not have been fully Jewish he might have been part Gentile and part Jewish because his dad is one of those people that committed some sort of uh, immorality with the pagan nations um, but I guess Shechaniah must have been like an adult at this point and he realizes that um, you know Ezra is right that or that they have sinned against the Lord and the sin that they committed is that they married a foreign women. Now, it is important to understand that when we think of marriage, it's different from the language that's used. Because the word marriage here in uh, verse 2, uh, the, 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 in terms of the concept that we're familiar with, it's more like the phrase taking a wife. In the Old Testament, they use like, oh, that person took a wife. That's more like our, that's closer to what we think when we think about marriage. Um, but this word marriage is actually not that word. It, it means uh, dwelling with someone um or dwelling uh i think in, in, in the new american standard that has a little uh side note that's given dwelling to that's literally what it means so what does that mean what does dwelling with mean it means that these individuals were just li living with these women they didn't really marry them in that sense but rather they, it was just more like they they uh they lived together. they have like a like a partner together or something um that they had consensual relationship and they were just living together. This wasn't like an official marriage in that sense. Um, I think the Nazbi translator just used the word married just as a way to like, for us to kind of understand, but the original language doesn't mean marriage in the way we think of. So these individuals, some of them were probably married. They left their family to be with these foreign women. Um, these foreign women uh, brought with them uh, uh, their pagan gods. And, uh, and it's also interesting if you look at the list later on, verse 18 to uh, 43 all of these lists are men it means that like all the men here that were supposed to be leaders and actually they're priests they left their spouse to be with all of these other pagan women um and now they realize that okay we've done something wrong we've sinned against the lord uh but yet this this shekinah uh, says that there's hope uh verse 3 so now let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. 
So they realize that they need to submit to God's word here. Uh, They're going to tell them to separate from them, to put them away. Um, And what's devastating about this whole situation is that some of these men that left uh, their families to be with these foreign women, they had kids with them. And he's telling them that we're going to put away all of these these, uh, situations. And again, this is not an issue of race, like what we talked about in the last chapter. It has nothing to do with the ethnicity of the person. But the fact that this person was, that when they were with these foreign women, they uh, brought them, they brought their idols with them, and they made them even do some of the um, sexual pagan acts to worship their false gods. So uh, the issue wasn't about race, because even in the scriptures we can tell that there were all uh, um, other Gentiles that were saved. You know, Rahab was one, Ruth was one, um, and it was never about the ethnicity of person, but rather where that person believed. So we see that that the issue is that these um, priests gave themselves up to foreign women um, and committing uh, sexual sin against the Lord. Now, Shechaniah is trying to tell Ezra to, to get it together and, and do his job as a high priest to get people to, uh, to worship the Lord faithfully. Verse 4, Arise, for this matter is your responsibility, but we will be with you. Be courageous and act. Then Ezra rose and made the leading priests, the Levites, and all Israel take oath that they would do according to this proposal. So they took the oath. That's what you're because Ezra was not the one who proposed this. He was just broken over the sin, and the people saw uh, their sin. They understood it, and then they're the one who acted on it. So Ezra didn't say, like, you need to go and do this. It's just that uh, somehow the Lord was working in their hearts. They realized that the right thing to do at this point is to leave these uh, foreign women um, and I'll explain a little bit more what I think that looks like in the context of this chapter. Uh, verse 6, Then Ezra rose from before the house of God and went into the chambers of Jeho- Jehonah and the son of Elashib. Although he went there, he did not eat bread nor drink, for he was mourning over the unfaithfulness of the exiles. So um, Ezra essentially went to fast, to pray and weep over the um, the people. Verse 7, they, ha- they made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to all the exiles that they should assemble at Jerusalem, and that wh- whoever would not come within three days according to the counsel of the leaders and elders, all his possessions should be forfeited, and he himself excluded from the assembly of the exiles. So this is really ultimatum. If you want to stay with your foreign wives, then you need to leave with them. If you want to, uh, if you want to stay and you repent and your wives uh, are not repented that they need to go. So that's why I mean, like I'll explain a little bit more later, because some of these people, uh, they're going to leave. Some of the wives are going to leave with their kids. Um, they're going to leave with their children. But that's only because the kids, though the, the mother there does not want to have anything to do with the Israelite people. They don't want to convert to, to Judaism, to Yahweh worship, um, and that's that's kind of one of those I would say like a biblical reason for uh, divorce. The New Testament speaks about how there's really uh, two two main things. If one of them is, is if they committed adultery, if they cheat on a spouse, then they can leave. Uh, you, the, the faithful one is able has the right to leave. The other one is 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 if the unbelieving spouse, knowing that uh, um, you know their their believing spouse is worshiping the Lord and they chose chose to leave, um, Paul tells them like, okay, keep peace and just let them go. I think this is what's going on here in the second one. Uh, he's calling people to repent and they don't want to do it, so then they decide to take their kids and leave um and that's that's the the taking the kids part and leave that's part of the jewish culture whenever someone 
leaves. Um, usually the wife takes the kids and go back to the family. That's why some of the men here, when they left their wives, uh, their, their wives went back to the home. And then these guys were essentially committing sexual sin by themselves with these foreign women. <clears throat> and there's an ultimatum here. If they don't uh, repent, then they will be kicked out of the assembly of God. Verse 9. So all the men of Judah and Benjamin assembled at Jerusalem within the three days. It was the ninth month of the twelfth of the month. And all the people sat in open square before the house of God, trembling because of this matter and the heavy rain. Uh, this is so, so think about it, this is probably around December. Um, he's they're They're out there. They uh, all the men that um, heard what the command was. They they waited. They uh, they waited on what to do. Then Ezra, the priest, stood up and said to them, You have been unfaithful and have married foreign wives, adding to the guilt of Israel. Uh, Now, therefore, make confession to the Lord of your fathers and do his will and separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the foreign wives. And all assembly replied with a loud voice, That's right, as you have said, so it is our duty to do. Uh, but there are many people. It is the rainy season, and we're unable to stand in the open, nor can the task be done in one or two days, for we have transgressed greatly in this matter. So the response is that, yeah, we, that what you're doing is right, but, okay, we need to be more methodical about this because it's raining, and we can't get everyone to move out right away. There's a lot of packing involved. There's a lot of, like, even, like, investigating who committed which sin, and even offering time, I think, for the, the wives, the, these foreign women, to repent. Um, they realized that he there, there's a sense that there's a level of evangelism there and uh and I, and I think as you see it toward the end, some of these wives did not do it um they did not uh, repent and they decided to leave uh verse um fourteen let our elders let our leaders represent the whole assembly and let all those in our cities who have been married foreign wives come at a point in time together with the elders and judges of each city until the fierce anger of our God on account of this matter is turned away from us. Only Jonathan and son of son of, the son of Jeziel and Jeziel, the son of Tikvah, opposed this uh, with Mesulam and Shabbatai, the Levites, supporting them. But the, So there were a group of people that heard this matter and did not want to do it. And I believe they were kicked out. <laughs> they were kicked out of the land. Um, but the exiles did so. Um, interesting that they call them exiles and not being that they um they realize that they're still like everything that they have is, is not complete and their relationship somewhat tainted still um and ezra the priest selected them selected men who were heads of the father's household for each of their father's household all of them by name so they convened on the first day of the 10th month to investigate the matter they finished investigating all the men who had married foreign wives by the first day of the first month so it was about three months it took them about three months to finish all of this from 18 to 40, there's a list of all these different names, and I'm not going to read them all. There's like four different census and genealogies in this book, and it was hard to read those, and you can just read these on your own. Um, but when you jump down to the last verse of the chapter, it's very depressing. All these had married foreign wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children. I think uh, it's just the consequence of sin, that, like, that your sin, when you commit sin, it never stays with you it affects the innocent affects other people um and i think at this point when he when you get to the point of end of Ezra chapter 10 uh these people um fail to submit to the lord they they fail to do the very first command which is love their lord their god with all their heart mind and soul and um 
and this is the results of their sin. They, they, they committed these sins. Uh, they made life complicated. And now they, have to, they choose repentance. They choose to live faithful to the Lord. They want to try to win these, their, wife, their, their family that they committed adultery with. Uh, and it doesn't seem like it worked for some of them. And some of them were taken out of land. Uh, this is a radical move. It may seem like it's a, um, like an extreme overreaction. Uh, but we, that's only because our view of sin is actually not as, um, as we don't take sin as seriously as we should. We're a little bit more callous and lax towards sin. Um, but the people here, when they understood God's word and they were moved by this one faithful um, Israelite named Ezra, uh, they realized that their sin is against the Lord. They've sinned greatly and their response is to, to attempt to never do this again. So uh, how are we to continually um, have victory over our sin in our life? That's what we're going we're gonna to try to answer that question this week. How can we have continually victory over life, especially if we fall into the same sin, um, certain patterns in our life? We want to get, if, how do we get rid of those things in our hearts? Well, there's a few lessons we've learned. Um, I'll list some of them out. We, I might add more uh, as I meditate on this text. The first one is that you have to cut it out. Cut out sin in your life. Um, second, you have to count the cost. Uh, one way that you uh, fight sin is that you count the cost. And lastly, you, you need to commit your life to godliness. Uh, those are the three that I have right now. And uh, I might change some around uh, as we keep going through the text. Um, but yeah, this was a, a very powerful chapter in terms of the length people go to, to be made right with the Lord. So I hope this is helpful. I hope you have a blessed Monday and uh, take care.